This morning we're going to dig into uh, uh, an encouraging message, one that will uh, hopefully inspire you to see what it's like to believe in a God that's actually good. We talked about a case for, that we built for believing in a, in a God we can trust, but can we find hope? Is there hope in a good God? Because we just finished, finished dismantling this idea of a very angry God that's ticked off and unapproachable, and yet the scriptures reveal a more beautiful picture if we only look. So today, we're going to deal with uh, hope in a good God and what it looks like. And you're, I think you'll be encouraged by some of the verses. It begins in the Old Testament. Psalm 71. This is the information that the writer had. Each person lives their lives, everyone, you, me, your neighbors, uh, everyone in every country, everyone lives their lives based on their concept of who they think God is. They also live their lives based on who they think they are. And if you don't believe in God, that's how you live. If you believe he's really ticked off and angry, that's how you live. Oh, no. Uh, if you believe he's gracious and loving and has forgiveness, and now we respond in goodness, we live like that. You name it. Whatever your perspective is, and believe me, it can swap out pretty fast, depending on your emotions in the day. It, that, uh, that's why I need to go back to the foundation. Who is this God we say we believe in? So that when our emotions take us for a joyride that's not pleasant, we can come back to center and realize, hang on, there's an objective truth that has been revealed to us, and you know it deep inside, that God is good, that he's for you. That doesn't mean there aren't tough questions out there, and there are. So Psalm 71, he writes, You've allowed me to suffer much hardship, but you will restore me to life again and lift me from the depths of the earth. You will restore me to even greater honor and comfort me once again. Then I will praise you with music on the harp because you are faithful to your promises. This is a, a phrase of trust. David, or whoever wrote this, I think it was David, I have a hunch. It's when he was running away from Saul, who's trying to take him out and kill him. I think this is during that time. It's very likely, given the despair he's in. David gives us permission to vent, to be honest with God, to speak in any way you need to. I know some believers... You get all, oh my goodness, like if you're in a crowd and somebody says, oh my God. How many have said that? How many have heard that? And uh, really religious believers that go, taking the Lord's name in vain. I'm thinking, listen, that is not taking the Lord's name in vain. You tell somebody that God's mad at them and, uh, and you shame them to, like, to condemnation, that's taking God's name in vain. That's a lie. So the reaction so here we have David reacting to God, and he's suffering much. And he's venting. He's being honest. We can say whatever we need to. And here he's declaring, look, I'm, I'm having a hard time. I'm suffering hardship. You must be allowing it or something. I don't know. Otherwise, you'd rescue me. This is not a theology statement, please, folks. This is an experience statement. This is a vent. You don't pull doctrine out of this. You pull faith out of this. Big difference. Uh, you'd be shocked at some of the theology that's pulled, pulled out of experiential emotions uh, written in Scripture. Be careful. He's allowed me to suffer. But here's the cool part. While he's suffering, he says, you will restore me to life. 
He felt like he was going to die. He said, God, take my life. He even prayed, dear God, take the heads off those guys, run a spear through them, chop them, lop them, whatever you had to do. Man, he, he got vented, okay? If David, the one who's known as the one who loved the Lord, can vent like that, so can you and I. You don't have to clean up your language. Do that in private, you know. It's probably best. <laughs> it's okay. Windows rolled up. <laughs> you know, just don't get in the way of that driver. But the point is this. There's freedom in that. God's bigger than your emotional rant. And he's so loving, he allows room for all of it. You can't tick him off. You can't catch him off guard. Listen, you cannot disappoint God. A number of years ago when I first said that, a couple got up right away, stormed out, never saw him again. I wasn't able to finish my sentence, but I used it as a shock statement. I didn't really mean to finish the sentence. And shock statements aren't always the best. So I've learned over the years. <sighs> but the point is, disappointment comes from a failed expectation. And God does not have an expectation on you and I that he doesn't see coming. You can't see God go, oops, didn't see that coming. That's not God. He'll never say that. He's fully aware, all present. By the way, if God is all present, this is pretty cool. I heard this week and went, oh, that makes so much sense. If God's present in our past, right? He's been with us the whole time. He's present in the now. It means he is present in our future for those things that haven't happened yet. But to him, there is no time. It's already all happened. He's there. This has some ramifications for how we pray, folks. <laughs> it just... That's for another sermon. Oh my goodness, that's going to go deep fast. But we're allowed to express, be honest, and know that there is no disappointment in the tone or eyes of your Jesus. He's for you, welcoming you, hugging you. It's very much like the parable of the prodigal son, where God, as the father, comes running to the kid, running to the kid, the day God ran, ran to his kid, hugged him, the speech started, didn't even hear the speech, blew off the speech, what speech? The guy had manipulated his speech, written it out, memorized. Oh, father, I'm not worthy to be called your son. Can I be a servant and at least eat good food? That's kind of what he was trying to get something to eat because he was in the pig slop before. He's got his speech. Pull out the speech. Hello, Father. Wow, who cares about the speech? Give me a hug. It's so good to see you in hug and tears. Put a new coat on. Put great shoes on. Wash his feet. Give him the great ring and barbecue that calf. You're supposed to say amen for all you meat lovers. <laughs> that is the response of Abba, of Papa. That is the response of your Heavenly Father to when you think you've screwed up so bad. You've never screwed up that much. You cannot outscrew up God's love and grace. It is impossible. Because if you were here a couple weeks back, we laid a foundational case showing you biblically you have already been forgiven, it's done. 
Oh, <laughs> you've also been reconciled. Oh, and if you were here last week and heard Reg, oh my goodness, that was a phenomenal sermon. If you didn't hear it, go online and watch it. It was unbelievable. It fit right in. It, it was, what is the gospel? What is the finished work of the cross? How does it work? Oh, man, I'm not going to give it away, otherwise we'll re-preach it. But it's really good. This is the good news we're talking about. God's for you, not against you. You don't have to tiptoe, oh, no, if I step on that, will I really annoy him? No. Even David venting and affirming, I'll be restored. And then he says, you restore me to even greater honor and comfort me once again, because he didn't feel comforted. Emotionally, he did not feel God was there. And when we feel God's not there, what do we do? God, please, where are you? Come to me. There are churches all across North America that start the services, Lord, come and be present. Even at the Camp Koinonia, there's a prayer up in the wall, come be present at our table, Lord. What a nice song. But he is already present. You don't have to please be, as in dualism, separation, God's not over there and he needs to come here. Please come if we're good enough and cleaned up and holy enough. You know, we said our prayers and tithed and did church and you know, all that stuff. Then God can come. Now you're good enough to ask God for those things? Come on. <laughs> you're already good. You're already righteous. That's when you're supposed to say, righteous. Sorry, just kidding. You will restore me even to greater honor and comfort me once again. Then I will praise you with music on the harp because you are faithful to your promises. When we're in those dark places, it's then we might need a physical printout of some of those promises we can't remember. Now I see benefit in having those lists. Pray through this list if you'd like to, if it helps you focus. If you're anything like me, you need a lot of help focusing. Look, squirrel, you know, it happens. This is what David is praying. This is how he's functioning and showing us what it's like to live and love a good God. More in Psalm 42. Why am I discouraged? Why is my heart so sad? I will put my hope in God. I will praise him again, my Savior and my God. There's a, I think it's 42, I'm not sure, but it starts off with, um, uh, Lord, remind me how brief my time on earth will be. Remind me that my days are numbered and that my life is fleeing away. My life is no longer the width of your hand. Um, uh, and then it goes on to, uh, everything I live for and acquire just gets heaped up, uh, a heap of wealth for somebody else to spend. And so, Lord, where's my hope? And he ends by saying, my only hope is in you. You can vent. You can express your situational stress and trouble. Don't live there. Don't whine there over and over and over again and become a well-fermented whine because you've been there so long whining. Don't do that. You've been given grace. Look for it and ask God to reveal the light in you. You're allowed to vent. You just can't keep complaining and whining because that's not how you've been created. Psalm 43, why am I discouraged? Why is my heart so sad? I will put my hope in God. I will praise him again, my Savior, my God. There's actually times to weep, times to laugh, times to vent, times to praise, times to 
scatter stones, times to pick up stones, times to love, times to hate, times for war, times for, pe- for, for peace, times to keep and throw away. Hoarders need to hear that one. You know, but th- these are times. If there's a time that we're allowed to be upset, then be upset. There's a time to grieve, and right now is a group of people, a large group of people grieving suddenly. Don't come at them with a comment of, well, it was the Lord's will. The Lord must have saved them from something worse. Oh, please, where's the big slap board? You know, we can't. That's unloving. Just listen and weep with them. Don't fix. Don't be a theological corrector. That's not love. That's control. Ephesians 4.32. What does it look like? Lay aside bitter words, temper tantrums, revenge, profanity, and insults, but instead be kind and affectionate towards one another. God, has God graciously forgiven you? Then graciously forgive one another in the depths of Christ's love. This is one of the short one-two punches of what it's supposed to look like living in grace, living from Christ in us. Clear instructions. These are not laws, by the way. Old covenant stuff is law. Law has punishment associated with it. This is command. Command is for your benefit and for my benefit. The fruit of doing this will change your life. Not just around you, but physically, mentally, which affects everything else around you. He says, lay aside the bitter words. Are you constantly bitter about this one person? Lay aside that. And why do we do that? Because we're forgiving. We're going to get to that in just a second. Temper tantrums. Anybody have those? (laughs) Never, right. Revenge. Wishing ill on that person. Or smiling when they have something bad go to happen to them. (laughs) Finally, finally. No. Profanity. Is your second language uh, certain words? (laughs) That's not who you are or what you're created to be. Insults, which insults basically purport you above others, makes you better, I'm better than they are, jerk and all these names. I do it once in a while and I repent a lot. I'm getting better, but not perfected this yet. But instead, be kind, and I hope I am, and affectionate towards one another. Be careful with that, okay? Like, you need permission for certain affection. But this is about being kind and nice and warm and loving, Okay? Um, has God graciously forgiven you? The answer is yes. God has, past tense, forgiven you. Since it is true, from that power, from that truth, then graciously forgive one another in the depths of Christ's love. What that looks like, I spent 13 weeks teaching through forgiveness. That's a big deal. I came across something this week. Um, Some of you have seen the clips, maybe not, but I want to show you what the love of God looks like in someone. And in this clip, it's a story of a a lady cop came home. Uh, She thought she was in her apartment. This happened a year ago. She shot the man in her, thought her apartment, but he was in his own apartment. Um, And she just got charged, and she's going to jail now. 
but they're sharing victim impact statements. And the two brothers are sharing, you don't get to hear the other brother. The other brother said, I hope you rot in hell. And he just vent. he was mad and angry, which is room for that. But this young teenager, um, he doesn't look as young with the glasses on in this clip, but he's young. He does something so profound, it's going to blow your mind. Let's watch this clip, okay? Lights out. I don't want to say twice or for the hundredth time what you've or how much you've taken from us. I think you know that. But I just... I hope you go to God with all what, all the guilt, all the things, the bad things you may have done in the past. Each and every one of us may have done something that we're not supposed to do. If you truly are sorry, I know. I can speak for myself. I, I forgive you. And. I know if you go to God and ask Him, He will forgive you. And I don't think anyone could say it. Again, I'm speaking for myself, not even bad for my family. But I love you just like anyone else. And I'm not going to say I hope you rot and die just like my brother did, but I see, I, I personally want the best for you. And I, I wasn't gonna ever say this in front of my family or anyone, but I don't even want you to go to jail. I want the best for you. Because I know that's what that's exactly what both of them would want you to do. And the best would be give your life to Christ. I'm not gonna say anything else. I think giving your life to Christ would be the best thing that both of them would want you to do. Again, I love you as a person. And I don't wish anything bad on you. I don't know if this is possible, but can, can I give her a hug, please? Please? Yes.
That is fruit of grace, not complicated theology. That is the simplicity of the love of Christ. According to the laws of the land, she has to pay the price and go to jail. There was another interview done uh, the next day, and the young man's lawyer spoke and said, I've never seen this before. The judge had never seen that before, and the guards were like, oh, no, 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 you can't do this. Did you see how close he was? <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'll notice. Because that's not supposed to happen. But the lawyer said, taught me something that day. This is spiritual. And what's happening in court is, that's, uh, I forget what he, the word he used, but that's justice or whatever, however term. And we don't have to over figure out all the terminology, so what? Even the young man, when he said, if you do, you know, God has already forgiven her. But if she does ask Jesus for a revelation or whatever her prayer is and whatever words it is, she will wake up to the greatest revelation of the light that is already in her. Do you remember Paul on the road to Damascus? When he broadcasted to everyone else a couple years later, what happened? Why? Because he was on a rent to kill every Christian. He and he was good at it. To kill them, destroy them. God took him out and on the road to Damascus, the bright light. And he said, It pleased God to reveal Christ in me. Read it yourself. That's in the scripture. That's not. A word twist. Paul saying, God revealed Christ in me. Can you imagine Paul going, what? <laughs> what does grace look like in your life? That was a powerful picture. And what you didn't see is another clip of the judge. Pausing court, going to her office, coming back, and giving the young lady a Bible. Her Bible. She said, I got four, four or five more others. And she opened up to John 3.16. Here, here's your hope. This is the judge. Folks, life change is possible. Our world today sends a message of there's no hope. The world's getting worse. You got your um, environmentalists that are on the extreme scaring the hell out of people causing unnecessary fear, but making good points. I'm not, this is not an environmentalist sermon. Then you have religious folks saying the end of the world's coming, you better get right with God, scaring the hell out of people there. You got everybody fear, fear, fear. Fear is a commodity today that's got to be done away with. Jesus didn't come to bring fear. He came to bring hope. And if you're fearful, I think you need to stop, take stock of what is contributing to my fear. It ain't Jesus. It could be your circumstances. But what is your focus on? Can you redirect your attention back to the life in you, to the light in you, so that fear dissipates and you have peace in the middle of your storm? I like how the young man said, I say this for me, not my family. Because somehow, for him, he had run through the hoops of the steps or stages for himself to be able to say those words. His brother clearly isn't. And both are correct. Don't push on somebody else and say, the Bible says you must forgive, because that's what religion does, and they do it well. 
forced you to say I'm sorry. Remember the teachers at school when you got in a fight with somebody else? Shake hands. Say I'm sorry. <laughs> you don't mean it. Teachers are making the kids lie. What's with that? You're not teaching them anything. Except that that kind of an apology is never important. You have to do it as a facade. It's the heart I want us to look at. That real forgiveness will come from the heart. Real sorry will come from the heart, not from just lip service. 1 Thessalonians 5, 16 to 18. Be cheerful no matter what. But what about, no, 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 no. Did he stutter? Be cheerful no matter what. Pray all the time. That does not mean with your eyes shut because you can't drive then. Or work machinery. Thank God no matter what happens. This is the way God wants you, who belong to Christ Jesus, to live. Next Sunday is Thanksgiving Sunday. I may have to re-pull that slide and remind us next Sunday of what our core identity and purpose is. You want to know what God's will is for your life? Boom! I know God's will for your life. <laughs> You'd be surprised how many people have come over the last 29 years. That's how long I've been pastoring. I want to know God's will for my life. Do I go this way or that way? <sighs> <laughs> New Living Translation says, Always be joyful, never stop praying, be thankful in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you who belong to Christ Jesus. Be joyful is not called happiness. Happiness is usually and often connected to a happening. We become happy. Last night I wasn't happy when the Leafs lost. They got a point. <sighs> But I was joyful. Season is on. <laughs> joyful is an internal state of how you are thinking. Never stop praying. And by the way, we pray spirit to spirit. It doesn't mean we're praying when we kneel. We say, Oh, Godeth, Fathereth of heaven and earth, we beseecheth thee for somethingeth. That's not prayer. That's mimicking somebody who you thought was spiritual. Prayer is right here. I'm not here. <laughs> Prayer is right here. Prayer is speaking to the one already in you. And it happens telepathically. <gasps> Said that in church. It happens spirit to spirit. And because you're one with Christ, you're already in union with Christ, it's a natural conversation. Thoughts being expressed back and forth. And that's how we walk. And when you're not in tune to that, then you're directed outside of yourself to all the happenings which bring fear or happiness. But we're called to pray at all times. Father, I got this emotion. What do I do? I've been praying for Gordon Martin this whole time in my spirit. But God just... Give him that, when that lumps in his throat, you know, walk him through that. Bring him to a place of not recognizing that he has to allow those out right now. And if he has to, he has to. But I'm in my spirit. This is how prayer works. And it says here, 
For this is God's will for you who belong to Christ Jesus. Who belongs to Christ Jesus? All. So it's for you. That's good news. It's okay to ask questions. In the, um, the book, The Shack, Paul Young uh, writes about, uh, he's being questioned by, if you don't know the story, the quick story is a young girl is murdered, taken and murdered, and the dad, Mac, is trying to find answers. He goes to a shack, he meets the Trinity up there, Father, Son, Spirit, uh, but really Father is a black African woman, Aunt Jemima, and uh, it, it totally messes with him. Well, it messes with the evangelical church too, they're ticked. Good. And she was a woman. <laughs> Later became a man. God is neither gender. You know that. God is spirit. So when we fight about the gender stuff, I'm sorry, God is spirit. He reveals himself in that male gender throughout the Old Testament because that's how the writers wrote it. Jesus came as a man. Why? Probably because as a woman, he'd never have been able to speak or do anything. So he had to come as a man. I don't know. It's not important. But here, Mac is asking some questions. So where, what about this pain? Are you causing this pain? Are you doing this to me? And here's what Jesus says to Mac. Mac, just because I work incredible good out of unspeakable tragedies doesn't mean I orchestrate the tragedies. Don't ever assume that my using something means I caused it or that I need to accomplish my purposes. That will only lead you to false notions about me. Grace doesn't depend on suffering to exist, but where there is suffering, you will find grace in many facets and colors. This is one of the best books I've ever read that deals with where's God in the pain. I'm securing a... Uh, hopefully by this end of this week, we're, gonna, we're trying to get Paul Young to come here and uh, do an event in end of January. I'll tell you more as we go. That way I don't say anything publicly that's going to lock me into something or whatever. But I want to hear his heart. I want him to be able to speak to those who've dealt with loss, not just death loss, which is a significant loss, but there are those who've lost dreams and hopes. They've lost marriages. They've lost their kids to whatever estrangement that has gone on. The loss is a big deal. Where is their hope? Is there hope in the pain? That's what the event will be called. I think we need to have more conversations about that. His plan, Ephesians 1, all praise to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us. That means you already, you already have all of God's blessing. You have all of it now. Because it says here, he's blessed us with every spiritual blessings in the heavenly realms. Because we are united with Christ. Your union gives you everything you need. You have it all. You lack nothing. You don't have to ask for more patience. If you try and get patience from any other source but Christ in you, that's going to wear out. But the patience that's in you, Father, please wake me up to the patience in me because I can't see it right about now. And now would be a good time. Get it? Patience? Never mind. Even before he made the world, God loved us and chose us in Christ 
to be holy and without fault in his eyes. That's really good news. God decided in advance to adopt us into his own family by bringing us to himself through Jesus Christ. This is what he wanted to do, and it gave him great pleasure. So we praise God for the glorious grace he's poured out on us who belong to his dear son. You lack nothing. If you're living your life trying to get something from God that you think you don't have, you're speaking, praying, thinking from a place of lack. And you lack nothing. Wake up instead to the riches already in you. And that might take a long time because that might be foreign to some of you. I thought I had to ask God for certain things. I thought I had to beg God or behave a certain way for him to come closer to me. I thought, I thought it was all about my performance. No, 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 Jesus did the performance. One man performed. If one man can bring so much sin into the world, the story of Adam, first Adam, the last Adam was even greater. He brought life, took away that whole sinful stuff, put it away. He came to take care of sin, and he succeeded. Ephesians 5, Therefore be imitators of God, as beloved children, and walk in love, just as Christ also loved you and gave himself up for us, an offering and a sacrifice to God as a fragrant, fragrant aroma. I love the Passion Translation. It says, be imitators of God in everything you do, for then you will represent your Father as his beloved sons and daughters. Now, I always thought, well, imitating, that's, isn't that contradictory? Doesn't that, isn't that hypocritical? Because sometimes I don't feel like acting godly in certain circumstances. Anybody? <laughs> so if I act out in a godly way, but inside I still feel like I can't stand that person, um, that's hypocritical. That's what we've been told, correct? That's not true. That's a lie. My identity, the real me, is good and kind. So when I act out in kindness, I'm acting according to my true nature. It's my feelings that are hypocritical not aligning with who I really am. Big difference. Really big difference. You know, how, imitation. I always thought, okay, here's a list of five, ten things. And for a long time when I came to understand that God is gracious and loving, I thought, okay, lists are not helpful because then you focus on the list. But what if there's room for the list? What if there's room for 10 steps, because right now you have no clue how to get there. And then you try these steps, and they have a functionality to them. They, you're actually training yourself. You won't, eventually, you won't need a list. It becomes natural, because Jesus is showing you how to live his life. The list may actually become really immature. Years later, you go, I used that list? Yes, you needed it, because you had to get to where you are now, but you couldn't get to where you are now, because you needed the list. Or a mentor. I've had many mentors in my life who walked me through different things. One of them, I copied a lot of, of what they were telling me to do, imitated as much as I could until the truth of what I learned became mine. And I didn't need to imitate my mentor. It was actually drawing me to imitate Christ in me. But it took a long time to figure out Christ was actually in me. Because my church world said he was separate and only came when I was good. He pulled the Grover from Sesame Street. You know, when I'm good... You know, God's near. And when I'm, when I'm bad, he's far. Remember that one? That's dualism. 
And half of you remember that. Your God's in you, fused to you. Intermingled DNA, oneness that's so spiritual, you can't get rid of them even if you want to. Huh. Ephesians 3, when I think of all this, I fall to my knees and pray to the Father, the creator of everything in heaven and on earth. I pray from his glorious unlimited resources, he will empower you with inner strength through his spirit. This is a prayer to pray for people. That's a great prayer for people. I pray that for Gordon Martin right now and, his, and uh, um, the family of, of Gary and all those. Then Christ will make his home in your hearts as you trust him. Not that he's not there already. It's the awareness of continual awareness of the presence of God. Your roots will grow down into God's love and keep you strong. And here's the best part. And may you have the power to understand, as all God's people should, should, which means some don't. All should get this, but not all do. How wide, how long, how high, how deep his love really is. May you experience. Experience. That's a key word. May you experience the love of Christ. Because if we don't feel it, if we can't experience it, we may not be able to identify it or connect to it or repeat it. I know the church I grew up in, they, they dismissed feelings. You know, and then I went to another church that was all about feelings. Woohoo! And they did the whole chandelier swinging thing and praise the Lulia tongues, you name it. You know, and it was more about the emotions and expression, but the other place was no, 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 that's too far. We're doctrinal, we're biblical. Hang on. We need both, and you need experience. May you experience the love of Christ, though it is too great to understand fully. Then you will be made complete with all the fullness of life and power that comes from God. And how to end this, now all glory to God, who is able through his mighty power at work. Where? Within us. There it is. I told you. I wasn't kidding. It's in us. To accomplish infinitely more than we might ask or think. How many dreamers are here? How many artsy folks are here? There's a few artists. I know, Francis, you're an artist. Who else is more artsy? Anybody that's going to admit it? Yeah, you're artsy. Lots of artsy. You can dream. You can come up with stuff. You can put it on canvas or wherever you put it. You can dream big and wild and woohoo. Some make sense, some doesn't. But this is telling us that God is bigger than even that. So if you can think of something quite amazing right now, of how big and wonderful God is, it's more than that. And once you think of more than that, oh, it's more than that. And just it goes on to infinity. That is the God who dwells in you. Glory to him in the church and in Christ Jesus through all generations forever and ever. When it says the church, it's not saying a building. Glory to Christ in Hope Fellowship. It's a nice idea. But we are the church people. All across the world, believers in Christ are the church. There are many not part of the church because they don't believe yet. But belief is the entry into the real church, not the buildings. Some buildings have messed us up. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness can never extinguish it. The light of Christ shines in you. And if you don't believe it's there, Jesus said, if the light that is in you, if that light is darkness to you, whew, how great is that darkness? So pray for the light to be turned on in people. 
Speak to people's light. Be loving, be kind, don't condemn. There's no room for that. None, zero. We only share the redemptive work of Christ that has reconciled the world. We have a ministry of reconciliation. Our job is not to convert people. Not at all. Nowhere in Scripture does it say, go make converts of all nations. <laughs> not at all. Make disciples. And it's not done on mass per se. It's done on one-on-one and on and on. Being a great parent, being a great boss, being a great employee. All that, that is the expression of Christ in you. Wow. There is hope. There's a hope in a good God, and I believe in a good God. Let's pray.